Hey everyone and welcome to the Year Was, the podcast all about today that gives you just enough information to effectively be that guy at the party causing all your friends to question, hey, who invited you? Like, seriously, why are you here? I'm your host Michael Montalvo and for the next few minutes we will swim through the river of time to try and find out what makes today truly unique. In this episode we examine the events that occurred May 25th. On days like this, I find a few topics that I think are interesting and have to struggle with the decision of leaving something out or making a bigger episode. And honestly, there is a topic today that would be enough for multiple episodes, but I don't know if I am up to the task of really reporting on it. The reason I say this is because while I have done some popular topics before, I want to learn about the less common. But I still feel the need to comment on topics today like the birthday of Frank Oz. Oz was born May 25, 1944, and is perhaps best known for his work with the Jim Henson Company, bringing to life the characters of Bert, Grover, Cookie Monster, Fozzie Bear, Miss Piggy, and someone that ties into my next topic, Yoda. And by ties into it, I mean Star Wars. Because the year was 1977, and on this day, May 25th, the film Star Wars, now known as Episode 4, A New Hope, was first released into theaters. I think we all know the story of Star Wars, and so I will not go into detail on the synopsis, except to say that a long time ago in the galaxy far, far away, it is a period of civil war. Star Wars, as we know, was the brainchild of George Lucas in that it was an idea inspired by the likes of Buck Rogers, Flash Gordon, and movie serials. Apparently, he and Gary Kurtz had been working on the space opera since 1971. Lucas was fresh off his films THX 1138 and American Graffiti, but wanted to make something different. He would later say, The reason I'm making Star Wars is that I want to give young people some sort of faraway, exotic environment for their imagination to run around in. In 2005, in the Chicago Tribune, Lucas would also say that Star Wars was really about the Vietnam War. And that was a period where Nixon was trying to run for a second term, which got me to thinking historically about how do democracies get turned into dictatorships. Because democracies aren't overthrown, they're given away. The pair shopped the idea around, and after being turned down by practically every studio, 20th Century Fox decided to take a chance and gave the pair money in order to flesh out the story. They spent the next few years working it out and writing the script. On January 1st, 1976, they finished the fourth draft and asked for a budget of $18 million. They got 7.5 and figured that that would be enough and that they could fix anything they couldn't film in post. Using miniatures and creating new departments to pull off the complex array of sounds and locations, the film was shot and released to 42 theaters May of 1977. In its first week, they earned $3 million, and by the end of the summer, it had earned $100 million. For its efforts, it won six Academy Awards, as well as a Special Achievement Award for Accomplishments in Sound. It has spawned five sequels, three prequels, two spinoffs, and TV shows both live-action and animated. And that's very cool to hear about, and it's cool to learn about. But as I said, I wanted to set out and learn about not only big blockbusters, but also human achievements. People like Jessica Watson, Sir Edmund Hillary and Tenzing, Lady Stanhope, and Thor Heyerdahl. And that brings us to Eric Weinmayer. 
Weinmayer was born in New Jersey 1968 and lived a relatively normal life until he was four years old. It was then that he was diagnosed with retinoschisis, a disease that not only is rare, but causes the person affected to progressively lose their eyesight. For Eric, this would be when he was 14. It was then that he became completely blind. While initially fearing that life would pass him by due to his lack of sight, his parents pushed him and he became much more physically active in sports and outdoor activity. One of these activities was actually rock climbing. Shortly after going blind, I received a newsletter in Braille about a group taking blind kids rock climbing. I thought to myself, who would be crazy enough to take blind kids rock climbing? So I signed up. It was doing these climbs that he discovered a natural dexterity for scanning rock surfaces with his hands and feet. After college, he would become a wrestling coach and a teacher, but it was only after reaching the top of Mount Denali that he decided he needed to help inspire others to shatter the barriers of their lives. Creating a movement and organization called No Barriers, Weinmayer began his attempt to scale the seven summits, these are the highest mountains on each continent, but not satisfied, he set his sights on the one and only Mount Everest. No pun intended. It wasn't an easy trip, though. One of the things that they wanted to do was to hire a Sherpa guide. However, due to his blindness, many considered him to be an increased risk, someone not likely to return from the climb, a sentiment that other climbers shared as well. It wasn't until after locals saw how easily he moved around and accusations about him faking his blindness did the Sherpas agree to finally help him. Weinmayer had been climbing for 16 years at this point and was not going to let others convince him or anyone else that he would be a burden on those climbing with him. And so with that, he set off to climb Mount Everest. It obviously wasn't without some trials, however. Even experienced climbers with sight faced their fair share of difficulty. But Weinmayer didn't give up, and through skill, persistence, and whatever else was inside of him, the year was 2001. And on this day, May 25th, Eric Weinmayer became the first blind man to climb Mount Everest. That's going to do it for us today. If you like this podcast and want to hear more, give us a rate and a review. That helps me out and helps steer this in a direction that is hopefully good for all. If you're watching this on YouTube, you can find the Year Was Audio version on your podcast app of choice. You can find me on social media and at YouTube at the Apple Cider Club. And as always, I want to thank the Tim Kreitz Band for our musical theme. And thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.